0: This is London's Free Thinking Comedy Club. That does not mean that we are here to be offensive. It just means that we are here to laugh at comedy, understanding that none of this is meant specifically to be about you, you fucker. It's not about you! Is it? Oh, that's very disappointing. I'm so sorry about it.
1: Welcome to the Comedy Unleashed podcast. I'm here with the utterly wonderful Scott Kapuro. Thank you. And uh, Scott... Nice to see you too. <laughs> it's lovely to see you too. <laughs> thank you for the nice coffee and the biscuit you're welcome it's brazilian beans by the way is it shipped in
2: yeah can't get them here
1: is that your brazilian husband you're yes. talking about he, on stage? his mother sends us coffee yeah. I demand it
2: yeah because it's so good right it's so good yeah and i don't like the sour trendy sour thing they serve in 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 hip coffee shops in london it's just too bitter for me yeah so i'm bitter enough
1: <laughs> way enough well you've been very sweet to me scott
2: <laughs> and to the you club as I well felt, anyway <laughs> you can edit that part out so <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> so scott you've um you actually opened up the first uh, gig that we did yeah. Comedy comedy mm-hmm. and you were on a, a month ago and went down extremely well um, it's a great room yeah
2: yeah it's a nice mix of gender, age, and I don't even want to say political beliefs, because I don't know what their politics are. But I can tell by the responses that even though there are people in the room that might disagree with one another, mm-hmm. they're all there just to laugh. And it doesn't feel like, what I can say about that set that I do there is my ego doesn't feel involved. It's really interesting. You know, I go there to do your show, the few times I've done it, and I've worried on my way, because I'm usually running from another gig, twice yeah. at least, the last, this last time I was too. And I'm always concerned that that there's been stuff said on that stage that I won't have a familiarity with. People will have been talked to in the front row that I I don't know what's been said. And I'm all worried about how I'm going to appear because I want to impress you and Andrew because you're both friends of mine. And I want the the set to seem fresh but smart because I think the bar is pretty high. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, that's right, what this is, is a room full of comedy lovers. And it's become such a job for me now, stand-up, that I forget what that mood feels like and how it feels like comedy clubs felt when I first came over in the Mm -hmm. nineties people went to clubs and only paid four or five pounds to see a show and their expectations about laughing were high, but that you could have been a unicorn, a purple unicorn with a tail. They didn't care. Mm -hmm. I mean, so much of my act when I first came over was me coming out in the first five minutes, feeling like I had to explain to them that I was queer. And then I realized somewhere on the road between you know, Birmingham, Birmingham and Hull, that people didn't... They didn't give a toss, the British, either way. Yeah. That there was, yeah. I, I was making it show something that wasn't. Right. And I realised that's what appealed to me about coming here mm-hmm. so much. And so that room that you now promote mm-hmm. and produce
1: feels that way too. It does. It feels like... And is that a rarity, though? You're, well, saying, that you're saying that's not as common as it used to be? Or I, is it um, different in different parts of the country?
2: It is different in different parts of the country. I feel like the farther north you go, probably the more you can get away with. But...
1: Sorry, the, the, the further farther north, north you, you go, I think the more, think the more you can get the away. The more with.
2: dark humor you can you really can push. Oh yeah, the Scottish will take anything. <laughs> the uh, Edinburghers can be a bit pinched and nauseated, but yeah. outside of Edinburgh, outside that that, that zone, you can really uh, and really Aberdeen, you can really go for it. Yeah, and um, and Inverness and all that. And I think you know the problem for me might might be it's never the audience. It, it, it's usually. If I'm playing a club outside of London, it's usually... It's going to be probably a large on-the-road room. Mm-hmm. Like, like for instance, a store in Manchester, which is a fantastic room. It's 500 seats. It's like playing yeah. a, West, a small Western theatre. And I, if I'm not closing it, I'm going on... I'm, I'm usually closing it or going in the middle somewhere. So I, I want the set to go well. Yeah. So I, I don't take many risks or chances. I'm, I'm not going to try anything new. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if I do, it's going to be at the very beginning so I can get the back of it if it tanks. And um, I do the top ten. And that's, I think, what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And there are other... Clubs around the country, well, I would do that um, because I want the set to go. Well, I, w- I want to be brought back. I want to play that club twice a year. And um, that pressure probably is me. But also it's an audience, too, who've been weaned on, if they're under the age of 40, on Netflix comedy. And so they have seen something that's very polished and put together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, that's extremely rare that a live performance appears that way. Do you do you ever experiment when you come to the club? Because you seem so utterly professional. Your... you are so fast and oh, right. you, you take us all over the place so yeah, quickly. Yeah. At your
2: club I will. At your club, uh, fortunately I am I'm, I'm lucky enough to be part of the cutting edge, that what's now called The Edge, which is a political improv show, at um the comedy store on Tuesday nights in, in London. And because of that show I do about twice a month, I write a lot of new material for that show. Mm-hmm. So it's a political improv um gambit. And so that material I usually kind of put together in a set when I come to play yours. It helps me gather ideas and thoughts together about current political issues that I think your audience is willing to listen to. We have to go back to the U.S., which I don't like doing to find a place to dump my stepmother's ashes and, uh, <laughs> it's not as easy as it sounds because they're all so precious about the organic gardens in california well what's left of them they're all so precious
0: <laughs>
2: of the organic gardens and it's strange you know we stopped and we were there before at, at a petrol station and i'm so used to being here where i can pass for heterosexual that this front row is the best you can do What i did well, like in Sheffield, this guy left the stage while I was on stage, this Muslim, I thought he was Muslim I thought he was, I'm like, dude, calm down he's right now in the hot seat where you're seated except that he was, he was hot, he was right there Katie, you're totally rapey he was right there and I mentioned the Quran. I of because I wanted to write some jokes about it, and he was very touchy about that text and he jumped up, Right? I'm like, dude, unwrap your head little, little <laughs> I found out later he might have been Indian. I'm like, oh God, we probably talked on the phone. But for that moment... And he jumped up and wrapped his hand around me. This is where it got tricky. He said, how could you... I thought he was mad about cultural stuff or about my being queer. Or how could you make fun of gay men? I'm like, what? He said, how could you make fun of Sheffield, gay pride? How could you make fun of gay men this week and of all week? How could you come here and satirize, humiliate gay men? I said, sir, if you remove your hand, I think you'll find that I happen to be gay myself. And he said, no you're not. I'm like, oh my God. I'm healed. <laughs> Leave it to my community to fix me. Right, bring on the pussy. <laughs> I fingered a girl once. I did. <laughs> It's a human experience, like taking a shit or breathing. I can do it. We fight wars. I can handle this. She's like, finger me. I'm like, you, you. And she said, uh, No, dig around in my southern kitchen, motherfucker. So I'm looking around, doing what I'm told dude, I do, and it felt spongy and instantly. Uh, and and uh, I found my garage door key. It's weird, though. She... <laughs> She came on my hand, which was so rude. I just had a manicure. And then she dumped me because I wouldn't fuck her up the ass. Look at me now. The thing is, you have to be careful with women because they have feelings, right? Right? That's just why they're not funny. Although you can't really... But you can't guess at anyone's gender. Everyone's gender fluid. I wouldn't mind to a gender fluid all over me, motherfucker, but everybody's ch- Right. I say maybe that you're a woman, but that's offensive. Although maybe you're a guy inside or a black lesbian in a fucking wheelchair with one leg. I don't give a shit. We all survive, Brentful. Well, We all got strengths. We all got weaknesses. We're all fucking retarded. We're all like a bit downy. We all are. We're all like a little downy life. Like, we all are. We're all a bit like, I can't believe it's not downy. You know, we all are, right? So we all make mistakes. If I call you woman, you have to fucking forgive me. Forgive Louis F.K. Forgive people for making fucking mistakes. If that is a mistake, are you a woman, Adam? Yes. Whether you are. I'm right. Woo! But if you buy a penis, it makes sense, because it pays for itself in two years. The thing is... <laughs> I'm just warning you now, the surgery is difficult, just so you know. <laughs> you know how they do it, right? They take the vagina and they talk some sense into it. <laughs>
0: I'm just saying. <laughs> 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 That's
2: another thing, is I think... What's funny about the UK, as politically savvy as the population seems to be, especially international politics, is that comedy audiences don't have a long history of political, of of a response to political comedy in this country. They just don't. There's a huge swell of political comedy in the US, always has been. Mm -hmm. But here I feel like there are some political comedians, but they're few and far between. So I think your club, though, I can talk about politics in, and they don't... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> get like that I want to hear it seriously when you bring up Trump in a lot of clubs people are like oh it's such a downer can you mm? and, and British comedians you know are pretty nice English comics are pretty nice mm-hmm. and um, I don't know how to be I, just, I see comics warm on stage they're so warm some of them I'm so jealous how they oh how they open the show like I've had people come and see me and say, you, you, you don't open warm, do you? I I kind of hit the ground running and I don't know how t- I'm not good at casual conversation in real life or otherwise. So I, I, I'm not interested in chatting with people about where they're from unless it serves my purpose. And a comic I really respect told me years ago when I first started that never ask them a question. You don't have an answer for. So I would never just chat with a fucking room full of no, I don't know. I don't know you. I don't. It's terrifying to me. Also. I feel like when you do that, you give away some of your authority and your power. We have so little anyway. And I, I, I kind of want to grab them by the neck and drag them along. And I, I feel like if they don't see that I'm the head of the ship, they're not going to get on my Titanic. They're not going to go for it. Like they need to see me sailing the boat. They need, me to, see, they need to see me at the helm. I need to be the captain. And the captain doesn't really give a shit about where you're from. No, so, no, no
1: not at all. Well, when know, people are there to 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 see you and and see where you're going to take them. And you do take people to places where they wouldn't necessarily naturally go themselves. Well, we were talking earlier off, off the recording. I think people like mates do chat and make
2: a lot of jokes about each other and, and yeah. piss, piss, you know, take the piss out of one another. And I think people like hearing it, but they can't imagine themselves doing that with strangers mm-hmm. but then my job has always been to make my material accessible to a room full of people that don't know who i am and i think taking the piss out of people you don't know as a comic is just is, is part and parcel of that and there are some comics who are very good at it here that i really respect paul thorne mm-hmm. ian stone others um ben norris comics who play the story regularly and they're really great at making themselves accessible and once you do that especially if the audience can spot a sort of a category, type, where, it, where you're from, they might, gra- in this country, if you're, say, from the north, they might understand more where you're coming from, and they might give you a bit more rope to hang them with. For me, if you hear someone do an American accent in this country, it's usually a Scorsese accent, because people know what the mafia sound like. But, <laughs> but what the rest of Americans sound like, they're not so sure. And they, they, do, they imagine that Americans don't really have accents anymore, in, unless they're idiots from the south. Although the southern accent is beautiful, but oftentimes if people yeah, do yeah. stupid people in this country, they do well, used to be the Geordie accent in this country. They do, that's, that's the dumb mm-hmm. voice. So w- when they hear my voice, they're not sure. They don't know where I'm from. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like someone told me at your club the other night they thought I was right-wing because they'd seen my accent. I don't want people to know my politics. My politics are not interesting. And I'm so, why, why do you think
1: they assumed that you were right-wing?
2: Because I'm, I'm a gay who doesn't, you know, I'm not like, aren't we great? I'm gay and I love Obama and I love left-leaning, drippy... <laughs> you know, spineless fuckwits who read their opinions so out of the guardian. No, because I don't, because they, I don't agree with them. That's all because they think, Oh, here's a gay man. And I'm left. They're thinking I'm a lefty who reads a guardian. This gay guy and I are going to agree on everything. And then I say things like, I, you know, I'm thinking about v- voting for Trump. Cause I'd, I'd like to be on a winning team for a change. And they think, w- w- wait, does he mean that? And then halfway through my act, they don't know what I mean, but that's exactly where I want them. I don't, Want them to know what's going to happen next. If they yeah, think they yeah. know what my politics mm-hmm. are, then, then they're going to know the punchline. And, and I'm not, I'm not out there to hold a mirror up to them to show them how great they are. Cause they showed up to a comedy club and listened to some queer gone about his gay cock. I can do dirty jokes and I will do them if it means it's going to get the audience back, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to spend a half hour patronizing them by talking about, ooh, my bum and ooh, Mrs. and ooh, I know. And ooh, there's my husband. Ooh, I'm not going to do I mean, I will do, I talk about marriage in the beginning of my act. Because it's the one common ground I think I can, I can grab them at. I'm just I'm yep. just manipulating them, and then once they see I can tell a joke, then they'll follow me anywhere. But I don't I don't care if they I don't care if they like me. I don't as a person. I mean, I don't know them. I'm I don't care. It's interesting, you know. I'm, I'm in mourning actually. That's so why I'm wearing mostly black. I'm queer, so I have to wear a flashy color. But... <laughs> Or else they take my membership card away from me. But I'm wearing because as uh, the Mormon people, namaste. You may have read about this. Nine Mormons died in the northern part of Mexico yesterday, right, in, in a drive-by shooting or some sort of thing. And uh, two women, which means that at least one uh, husband lost wives. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> luckily they're replaceable. That's the bright side. But anyway. <laughs> kids' dice is not a total loss, but it is strange, isn't it, how religion has just become so fundamentally dangerous for everybody. I live around the corner, actually, and the largest mosque in Britain, as most of you know, is right down the road, and I don't mind, right, all those hot guys on their knees with their asses in the air five times a day. I know. At least they slip off their sandals first. It's so thoughtful. Much more than I'm willing to do, but they've been putting all these. If you know Weavers Field right here, there's all these posters in Weavers Field. Make East London a gay-free zone. Get the gays out. I think I'm out enough, really. <laughs> Jesus, you know, working my gay ass off up here. I'm. <laughs> Any more out, I'd be mean, a Catholic priest. I'd be pushing back. And. Um... <laughs> <laughs> kill each other all the time it's nothing new is it right some Mormon guy just died on death row in the US because he killed his family he heard voices that told him as a Mormon man he's got to kill his the voices are always mean aren't they <laughs> they're never nice voices they never say and dancing do they they always say right <laughs> kill 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 or if you grew up in the Catholic Church, everybody's a fuckwit. Everybody's mean. Everybody's horrible. Any surviving—I spent 12 years in the Catholic Church, and those priests never came near me. I'm still very bitter about that. I'm going to sue that church. And uh, my husband's evangelical. I know. I know. It's not just his drag name. He believes that shit. And, uh, Joke him off a ledge, but he's Brazilian, so he takes it all so seriously. Since since they lost the world, last World Cup, he's very angry. And uh, all this religious fundamentalism he takes out on me back there. Oh my god. He pounds away at me. Jesus. Jesus is right. He's banging away. It's like a crime scene back there. It's sort of standard. It's like CSI my hole, but anyway. they are... <laughs> Talk about blood splatters, but I do wonder what they're all... I know. That was... Too much. That was where you draw the line. <laughs> I'm like, honey, what are you so angry about? I'm held against my will. Ouch. What do you, uh, hashtag me too. What do you, uh, Ow. don't. and. Um... But the, the Christians won, in a way, right? Jesus is still being talked about. He's still selling out rooms for fuck's sake. We all love Jesus, in a way. You must. I mean, he's by far the hottest Jew on a stick. You know, it's not... It's not a happy story, because he died so young, but let's stay... At least in the end, he got nailed. You know, actually... No. It's not the Jews' fault he forgot his fucking safe word. The point is... I think, We're almost there. Hold on. Don't... Breathe. Breathe. What's <laughs> Mary up to? Look, I'm just saying. Everything's a fetish. Also, we all have to. You have to they're all they're, they're, they're stories for children. Really, they are. Aren't they? Are there any radical Muslim fundamentalists? <laughs> they're always dying for attention. If there are. Stop killing strangers. It's rude. But they don't see it like there's a veil. You know, the thing is. I try to say everything with a wink, wink and a nudge, nudge. So they know that they're jokes. But I, I wouldn't waste their time what pretending you, what, I like them. What are you most keen not to be? Is it bland? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to seem planned or prepared. Yeah. I don't want to seem like this is a, 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 a symposium. Or like I'm speaking in front of a podium or it's a speech. What I plan to do is make it seem like I'm in the room with them. I, that's, I never want to seem like, like I'm just going through it rote. And yeah, the bland thing. I mean, But I never think, oh, what can I write that's shocking or surprising? Mm-hmm. I just write about stuff that I think is current because that's, I think, my job. The bland, I know when I'm being boring on stage. And usually it's when I'm lecturing them. And I have a good friend in comedy who I work with a lot, uh, who, is, who has mentioned it to me a few times, including my husband who said to me a few times too, which is, Edson, we're, we were in Norway two weeks ago. And he's a huge fan in Norway. He comes with me when I go there. And he doesn't come see the shows because they're all in the Norwegian except my set, which you seen many times. So, but he came into the club the other night. We were outside in, of Oslo in a big room in, in a suburban town. And he watched a bit, just a bit. And then the hotel room later, he said, "Kaporo, I walked in and I heard you lecturing them. What do you mean, honey? Well, Kaporo you were, you were kind of waving your finger at them about something. I'm like, fucking was I? He said, yeah. So he said, just be careful of that. And he's right. Yeah. And I'm sure I got off on a tangent about something. And I eyes really see red when, when I sense. Did you take the room with you that night? Though? Yeah, it was. They're, they're The audience in Norway, they're, I, they're so good. Oh. They're so playful and fun. Also, their English is spoken in an American accent. So they get, they get what I, they get, they get it. Mm -hmm. They have problem with regional accents in English, but mine is fine. The main comic club I play latter in Oslo is right down the street from where they get that, that silly prize on December 11th or 10th of a year, that Nobel thing that they get, that they should fucking (laughs) take back from that, that Myanmar kind. Anyway. So yeah, I love it. And, and he's right. And so I I need that because if I sense a bit of, you know, homophobia, real, I really see red.
1: I really see red. It's where I remove my mask, even yeah. on stage sometimes. Do you experience it though, Scott? Mm. Mm-hmm. It, uh, on stage when you're Only or you, I can name the times
2: life? on stage yeah. in this country in the last 20 years. I can name the times. I, in the green room? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah, it flies at me. Always has. And um, I just have to find a place in my head where I'm not really listening. Yeah. Because it's whoever's expressing it it's their thing and and i have you know we all have the four of us in the green room or five or three of us have 150 or 300 people out there we have to entertain for 20 minutes so i'm not going to take it on stage with me. no that's true right but thing. if it happens while i'm on stage i have a couple of times and how do you deal with it well how i know mean, well i got banned from a club in america i threw a glass of wine at the sheriff's daughter she <laughs> she said she said something some, oh that. well she did she fucking she was heckling me the whole so when i first started I was working with Evan Davis, this brilliant headliner. He was a lovely guy and really supportive when I, when I first started American comic and um a suburban club near San Francisco, but really conservative, really, really white. I remember class tight, uptight fucking, you know, they've all got private equity accounts that they live off of. And they've all got, they all live in prisons, meaning they all, have, they all live in walled wall communities. Gated community communities They do all that. do. And it was like 300 white people. And I, you know, I, I'd come up through the, through the alternative comedy circuit in San Francisco. we, where the crazy you are, the better. Like, they don't want, you, like, a, a jack-and-tie. Who are you? You're a Martian. But, you know, they want to see, you like, you know, ping-pong balls out of your ass and stuff. And anyway, um, seriously, I saw a guy, oh, that club I worked at, he, he lip-synced Don't it Make My Brown Eyes Blue on a Monday Night New Material Night and then pulled two ping-pong balls tied on the string out of his ass oh, yeah. and swang them around, and shit went all around the room. And I've never seen a comedy audience move back so quickly and scroll, oh, my God! And it was, I remember it was a, it was, they had judges on stage, mock judges. And all, and this woman got shit all across (laughs) her glasses. It was so funny. Brown eyes, little brown pink bumble. He had blue eyes. Anyway... (laughs) One of the, <laughs> my friends and I still talk about that. But anyway, that was the, the scene I'd come from. And yeah. I wanted to break yeah. mainstream. And all my friends told me, don't go to mainstream clubs. They won't accept you. This is like 1993-4. Yeah. They tried it before me. because This gay is in the States? It was in San Francisco. The yeah. And yeah. there'd been a gay comedy scene in San Francisco in the 80s, actually. They used to play a club in San called, Francisco called the, the Brick something. Anyway, that scene had moved on to a club that I started called Josie's Cabaret, mm-hmm. which is an alternative comedy club and vegan cafe cafe. anyway, (laughs) but it wasn't irritating and anyone could play there. And that's how I met Margaret Cho and all sorts of people that started at the same time I did anyway. So I I, I thought, no, I'm going to do it. Right. So I said yes to this club. I was warned. And then I went there and um, uh, ironically, I just played it about two months ago. Again, I hadn't played it in 22 years and it went fine, but it's the same club. It's the same audience. It's the same white people, not the exact same, but the same Upper middle class. And I got there. I'm like, oh, it's full. Oh yeah. There's a there's a bowling team in there that don't know who you are. I'm not kidding you. Fifty people showed up on the bus and they're eating during your set. Just so you know, they've all ordered dinner. I'm not kidding you. I'm like, are you f-? So there were like 80 people that heard me on the radio that knew what I did. And then 50 bowlers with their grandchildren. Some 18 <coughs> year old girl that won't eat during my set. Cause she's going to be rude. It was so funny. And they were lovely. They were like 80 really? years old. And you know why? Again, it's not them. It's me. It's because I know how to work. That room better. And I don't take anything personally. It's a real problem. New comedians. These youngsters I see in rooms so terrified. It's because they're taking it personally, but they don't know you again. They're strangers. So anyway, um, I said something to this woman and she just started going out to me about having AIDS. And this was in the nineties when all my friends died. All my friends died around in a three year period. And um, I, I went to, I said, what did you say? She, she repeated it. Well, at least my boyfriend doesn't have AIDS. She said to me, and I picked up her red, red wine glass and covered her in wine. And I made a big... Nice and I, you people, man, threw the... I, the worst way to handle it. The, yeah. And Evan Davis came on, and how could you? Anyway, the sheriff showed up next time. That was my daughter who threw wine on. You need to sign this form. that says you'll never play This Town Again. <laughs> so I had to sign a form. <laughs> it was Sheffield Gay Pride, which lasts for about 30 seconds. And, uh... <laughs> the garage door opens, Someone yells, I'm gay, and the door closes again. But anyway, most of the population don't give a fucking toss, but some people, they still, they still care, you know, and they still think that gay men are meant to behave in a certain way. And not... They prefer them closeted and hiding it because they can. Well, some of them can, but I... A cashmere cardigan on a Tuesday. I don't have to hide it. This is just who I've always been. When I was five, I wanted a cock in my mouth so bad I could taste it. I was five. It tastes defiant at that age. I mean, now, you know, it's the same old thing. But then, it was different every time. I was one of those kids you meet uh, a little black bow tie, shiny shoes, plaid trousers, striped t shirt. But I made it happen with chess hams. All my stories <laughs> had punchlines, right? I used to dance with my mother because women love dancing with their little gay sons between divorces. I was all kids. <laughs> you meet at a wedding, you think that little one, he's going to suck cock in 10 years. And I'm like, oh, my weight. I wanted it. Oh, I was so thirsty. And, uh, <laughs> and I met my stepmother, who just died, actually. We had her cremated, my stepmother, after she died. Uh, <laughs> because we're not German. So she is, I know, Uh, too soon, too soon. She's in a jar, but eat around her. She finally serves a purpose. But she's, uh... We had, I meant to say lost. We lost her. Americans don't say died. It's too brutal a word. We lost her. Lost her. Like, we drove her to a shopping mall and dropped, dropped, and never saw her again. We tried that so many times, but she was back in her shriveled little lungs. But don't worry. It's not the lung cancer that killed her. It's being bigoted and having stairs in the house. So, anyway... Guess who drives a new Toyota? Anyway, so she's... I mean... You know, new to me. Anyway, the point is, (laughs) that's why I went on the road to Sheffield to deal with the grief of my stepmother dying, right? I thought I could go play with the Sheffieldians. Mm -hmm. They'll get it, right? They're strong, you know, salt of the earth type people, but they were so fucking tight. Everyone's so touchy now. I don't know, there's a ginger coming on earlier. Pity him for that, but he did go on and on. And on about what's right and wrong. The the point is when you're out there it's not it's not always that easy. Like you want to put forward something that's positive about who you are, but it doesn't really always work work out that way. And I know to hide some of who I am since since the very beginning when I met my stepmother at five, right? The one who just kicked it, right? She's a waitress. She's trying to I'm a waitress. It was all about her, her her, her, you little know, five-year-old like lights point toward me, but it was all about her. She couldn't she saw me as a fucking threat in some way, right? She did She's like I you know gay man at whatever age, are the punchline to any office joke still? And she said to me, she could tell. And she's like, I'm a waitress, and I'm sort of faggots. She said that to me. I'm sort of faggots. I know. <laughs> the things that offend you when you're five is so weird. Why would you pay a hooker fifty pounds of a whisper per year when you're about to turn fifty-seven? But <laughs> I know fifty-seven is like twelve at the Vatican. But anyway, she said to me. I don't serve, and then she dropped the N bomb in front of me. And I don't serve, I don't serve niggers either. I know, I know, I know. I was five. I was so offended. I was dating a black guy at the time, but I didn't know he was black. We met during nap time, and. Me out, I couldn't say no. I thought his people have suffered enough. Also, when he tied me up in the schoolyard, it felt
1: like pay that time. The thing is, what really, really makes you laugh? Oh, I love because you, you, sorry, because you take us all over the place, yeah, and you take us to places where we wouldn't. Naturally, go, yeah, yeah, and we wouldn't maybe have thought of things in quite that way. And uh, and 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 sometimes it's there's a little bit of a whoa before the laugh, yeah, yeah. but the laugh is real and it, the laugh's almost like a release. So, uh, are you sort of attracted to a little bit to the dark side? Yeah,
2: I mean, I like, I, you know, if you know David Tell, he's a, he's a comic from New York, he's great, it's very dark. I think he's dark, I love him. Um, or someone like I mean Frankie Boyle's. I only have the chance to read him now. I don't get to see him live so much, uh, but uh, his columns in, in in the Guardian are fantastic. I mean, they very dark. I mean, and it, but his live performance is so it's so grim. It's so funny. Yes, but also I like I like watching people fall. I, I think Pratt jokes are. I, I think people falling on a, on a banana, anything that's well timed. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean Chaplin. If I watch Chaplin, still makes me laugh sometimes. Or I think anything that seems where the performer knows what they're doing. Like if I feel safe in their hands, but I also like feeling like, like I mentioned Margaret Show earlier. I saw Margaret a few years ago in, in Edinburgh play a late night set at the stand. And the audience didn't, uh, the mass, the majority of the audience, cause it wasn't her room. She sold all her shows out cause people in Scotland know who she is, but this room didn't seem to know Margaret's oeuvre. didn't know her background. Mm. And she's a, an Asian American female and she's very successful. And she's, um, She purports to be bisexual on stage and and have all this baggage that she'd be on stage with her. That's some of it's fascinating. It's all cultural stuff. And her references are really up to date and really smart. But I felt afraid watching her because I didn't know what was happening. I was worried. (laughs) <laughs> and i loved it i, I love being afraid. i love not knowing yeah i love feeling like oh god this is this feels dangerous i mean this is this powerful woman on stage and they don't know who she is and they're thinking who the fuck does she think she is being so powerful and I say and we don't why don't we know her and she's kind of leaning back on the wall with a mic in one hand and she's beautiful she's tattooed mm-hmm. and she's fucking gorgeous and I, i'm sure a lot of people in there are, are drawn her. they don't know why. you know she has so much going on and i'm like god if that's, you know, and the, the few compliments I've taken that I've really taken out is when people have said, you've got so much gravitas on stage because you mentioned so much of who you are and it's so believable and we're wondering yeah. we're just all all come this comfort. That's what I want. I want them to feel immersed in what I'm doing and not mm-hmm. sure what's going to, when people tell me that they're afraid for me when I'm on stage or they're, they're nervous about how people around them are responding. I think that's great. But that's why I'm not on TV. And that's why I hear someone is offended at a joke I tell. And I think, oh, clearly I have to write more material about that. <laughs> it's, I know it's ridiculous. Most, most people go the other way. And yeah, I have comics yeah. Give me jokes like the, a joke I did at your club uh, about Down syndrome babies. That was a joke given to me recently by a comic who said, I can't tell this, yeah. that punchline. And when he told me, I thought it sounded sweet. He thinks, He said, you thought a joke about Down syndrome embryos being aborted was sweet? I said, no, the part where you said the 10% who survived are always smiling, that is it. They all-. And he said, well, then you should, you know. And then other jokes I've, I've been given the past, well, comics just are not. They just don't think they can.
1: Yeah, you can get away with a lot, Scott. But and I, and well,
2: do. the Downstream thing, it turned into a five-minute bit now. And I'm going to write more about it because I think oh, you just gotta,
1: you just have to. But you, you, you also attack absolutely, <laughs> well, attack's the wrong word, but you deal with subjects all over the place, and people, all different sorts of people. So, you know, jokes about, you know, radical Muslim jihadis, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, the joke you did about uh, um, Jesus being the, what was it, the nicest Jew on the stick? The only Jew on the stick.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to write stuff <laughs> a, the, the I'm trying to write stuff about China right now, that isn't just oh, about okay. all the girl babies being killed. I'm trying to write stuff about about how, how, how the, the world just, just getting ass-raped by China from right to left all over okay. the place, because, they're, because they have money. But um, I I'm just also writing about, uh, I, my, my stepmother's out last year. And my, I've been spending a lot of time with my father. I'm going there in a week's time. And, I mean, I love my dad, but we're not, we're not that like close, like dad and son and Hallmark okay. card. Yeah. but I'm getting to know him more. Now he's yeah. on his own. How old is he now? He's 84 now. Yeah. And he sits in the garage and smokes and drinks whiskey all day long. And he's fine. Mm-hmm. He smokes two packs a day. And he was telling me about a, a relative of ours, uh, his cousin, who lived in New York in the 1950s and was a huge Broadway star. I never, I met him when I was uh, like two years old. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I never, I called him when I was in New York once. He thought I was my dad. He was a bit senile by then. But his name is on all the cast recordings of Oscars and Hammerstein musicals. It's, it's Alfred Drake, his real last name is Capuro. But he introduced all these hugely famous songs on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And I knew about him as a kid growing up. And you know, I thought, it's so great. And I wanted to be a performer. As I could have met him. I tried to find him in New York when I was there in Manhattan when I called him. And then I knew he thought I was... Dad, so I didn't go see him because it would have been too weird. But he told told me all this stuff about my mom I didn't know because he met my mother before I was born. Wow! It was the weirdest phone call ever. And I'm telling Dad about this call about how he about Drake told me that my mom could sing, and and he said to me, "Did your mom ever become a singer?" He didn't say my mom though. He said to me, "Did Donna, my mom, thinking I was my dad, did your ex wife ever become a singer?" And I said, "No." What do you mean? Well, she had a beautiful mezzo soprano voice. I said, "She did." So I asked my dad this. And he said, yeah, your mom. He said, you spoke to Alfred Dick. He said, yeah. He said, he's a big homo, you know, big, big queer. I'm like, what? said, so big homo. And this is just a few months ago. I am start crying. I told him. said, dad, you didn't tell did me. Did you ever think about telling me this? I'm 57 soon. Oh, would well, that have made a difference? Yeah. Yeah, it might have made a difference. Yeah, maybe. Well, why? I mean, well, did you need a role model? Yeah. Yeah, because you're... A drunk who's useless, who fucked all my mother's best friends when I was growing up. So, yeah, a role model. model. I might end up in so angry. In fact, I might be on TV by now. And, 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 yeah, all this stuff came out. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, it, it was so surreal. And he said, what do you need a role model for? One thing I, I like about, one thing I respect about you, Scott, is you've made all this happen on your own. Yeah. I said, but dad, I didn't have to. I might not have had to it was a really weird moment. my sister was sitting there like she just got on her iphone like this
1: i'm like what are you doing there's nothing i'm looking for yoga class okay looking up yoga right that's it for now check out the comedy unleashed youtube channel or facebook page we're also on twitter and if you'd like to see the full lineups for future gigs check out comedyunleashed.co.uk we hold gigs on the second tuesday of every month and it would be great to see you there Lastly, don't forget to click on the subscribe button for the Comedy Unleashed podcast. And then as we drop new interviews with comedians as they come off stage or are about to go on stage, uh, then they will drop into your podcast app. Lovely. See you next time.